This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. One giant leap for mankind. Half a billion people around the world watched live as Neil Armstrong took his first step onto the moon, forever cementing his place in the history books. But questions remain. Just where exactly was that step taken? Did Apollo 11 really land on the moon's surface? Or was that video broadcast created in a Hollywood studio under the direction of filmmaker Stanley Kubrick? It's been almost 50 years since Armstrong took his first steps on the moon and 47 years since the launch of Apollo 17, the last manned mission to the moon. Since then, space travel technology has become exponentially cheaper and more powerful, but we've never gone back. Could it be because we never actually went to the moon in the first place? Welcome to Conspiracy Theories on the ParCast Network. Every Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. 
Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you are listening. It really does help us. We also now have merch. Head to parcast.com slash merch for more information. You can listen to previous episodes of Conspiracy Theories, as well as all of ParCast's other shows, wherever you listen to podcasts. Last week, we discussed the official story of the space race, the competitive effort between the United States and the Soviet Union to explore space. Although the Soviets led the race at first, America was able to pull ahead. As the first to land the man on the moon, America declared themselves the victors. This week, we're looking at the conspiracy theory that the moon landing never happened. The entire Apollo program was a massive hoax. First, we'll discuss why the United States government would deceive its people. What was at stake? Had the government lied to its people before? Then we'll take a look at NASA's proof that they went to the moon. They took pictures and broadcast live from the moon's surface, but inconsistencies in the evidence have raised questions about whether the footage was really filmed on the moon or whether it was staged here on Earth. Finally, we'll examine whether putting a man on the moon was even possible. Conspiracy theorists question whether the U.S. had the technological capabilities to pull off a manned lunar mission, especially given the Soviet Union's technological superiority during the early stages of the space race. Before we ask whether the conspiracy theories hold water, we have to answer the underlying question. What could have motivated the American government to fake the moon landing? The space race was much broader than a simple contest between rocket scientists. It was an ideological struggle between the capitalist democracies of the West, led by the United States, and the communist states of the East, controlled by the Soviet Union. The conflict was referred to as the Cold War because the United States and Russia never had a direct military confrontation, but both nations stockpiled weapons as if a war was imminent. In 1952, America developed a hydrogen bomb, which was several times more powerful than the bombs they had dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki seven years earlier. Russia developed their own H-bombs by 1955, just three years later. These weapons were tested, but never used in war. Both nations adhered to the principle of mutually assured destruction. If either nation attacked the other, they'd be met with bombings powerful enough to destroy the entire world. So instead of fighting directly, the superpowers battled for ideological dominance of other smaller countries like Korea and Vietnam. The U.S. made it clear they would stop at nothing to defeat communism on the world stage. As these proxy wars heated up, both the U.S. and the Soviet Union kept one eye on another frontier space. The rockets they'd been developing for the sake of launching nuclear bombs could just as well be used to launch scientists into space. By being the first to put a man on the moon, either country could assert their dominance, which led to stronger innovation. The national comradeship of communism or the free enterprise of capitalism. At first, it looked like communism would be the winner. The Soviets dominated the early years of space exploration, placing Sputnik, the first satellite, into orbit in 1957. 
Four years later, a Soviet pilot named Yuri Gagarin became the first human being to reach space and orbit the Earth. Months later, in May 1961, American astronaut Alan Shepard would reach space as well, but only for a few minutes. The U.S. was lagging behind. The only milestone left that would prove the superiority of capitalism was to land a man on the moon. After Shepard's flight in 1961, President John F. Kennedy declared before a joint session of Congress that the United States would put a man on the moon before the decade's end. And although Kennedy was assassinated the next year, the United States kept his promise. On July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong made his famous first step and became the first human to walk on the moon. Just 66 years after the Wright brothers made their first flight in an airplane, humans flew all the way to the moon. Needless to say, some people were skeptical. After being bested by the Soviets every step of the way, the U.S. had suddenly accomplished the one technological feat their rivals were incapable of, and just months before their self-imposed deadline, it was almost too convenient to be true. Faking a moon mission for the sake of propaganda would have been a massive and difficult undertaking. Luckily, the CIA was no stranger to complex propaganda schemes. They understood that the Cold War was about ideology as much as it was about military dominance. And to defeat communism, a war had to be waged at every level, including culture. Throughout the Cold War, the CIA funded dozens of programs designed to shift public opinion in their favor. They called these missions PSYOPs, or psychological operations. Many of these PSYOPs took the form of arts and entertainment grants provided to unwitting modern artists like Jackson Pollock. The CIA saw abstract expressionism as a way to stand apart from the rigid and highly regulated art approved by the Soviet government. They also laid the foundations for the University of Iowa Writers' Workshop, which is still one of the most prestigious fiction writing programs in America. The curriculum was structured to focus on the idea of American individualism, the antithesis to the unified society the Soviet Union exemplified. The students enrolled in the program, many of whom would go on to become prominent authors, had no idea their education was being funded by the CIA. Psychological manipulation was also used to target the Soviet Union directly. In 1984, President Reagan began the Strategic Defense Initiative, a program to develop technologies that would give the U.S. an edge in the nuclear arms race. The program researched technology like lasers, particle beams, and ground-based missile defense programs. Senator Kennedy derisively referred to the program as Star Wars because it was complete science fiction. The program touted an early win in 1984 when a prototype missile defense system successfully shot down an intercontinental ballistic missile, or ICBM. But this win wasn't all it appeared to be. Nine years later, in 1993, four top Reagan administration officials confessed that both the defense missile and the ICBM had been secretly fitted with homing devices to guarantee the interception was a success. The Strategic Defense Initiative cost the U.S. taxpayers $30 million, but the particle beams and advanced missile defense systems never materialized. 
1987, a study concluded that most of the technologies they were trying to develop were decades away from reality. If the government was willing to fake a missile interception to scare the Soviets, what else might they fake? The U.S. had the motivation to fake a moon landing. That much is clear. But did they have the means? Pulling off a hoax of that size and keeping it a secret for 50 years would be incredibly difficult. If there had been even the slightest hint that the Apollo missions were faked, the Soviet Union would have exposed it. It would have been difficult, but maybe not impossible. Coming up, we'll discuss whether it was even possible to fake a mission as significant as the moon landing. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life, at least not the ones you're thinking of, but they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home, like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of bug it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. And with over 95 years of experience, it's no wonder they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. For 50 years, conspiracy theorists have wondered whether the Apollo 11 moon landing actually happened or if NASA faked the entire mission as a propaganda tactic. If that theory were true, there's been shockingly little evidence revealed to support it. An estimated 400,000 people worked on the Apollo program, either directly for NASA or for the defense contractors that manufactured rockets and space capsules. Surely, if there were any deception, somebody would have come forward about it by now. Conspiracy theorists point out that the Apollo program was heavily compartmentalized. The rockets and spacecraft were manufactured in different factories all over the country. The astronaut selection and training process was separate as well. Only a couple hundred people, maybe fewer, would have been able to see the full picture. Previously, NASA had given the press nearly unlimited access to its space programs, but Apollo was different. The press was only allowed to report on the scant information they received directly from NASA, without seeing or speaking to the employees directly. With such tight control, it would have been relatively easy to manufacture a narrative surrounding the Apollo program. Even if journalists questioned what they were being told, they wouldn't have any facts to dispute it. That may be true, but there are simpler explanations for the secrecy. If sensitive information about the rocket technology leaked to the Soviet Union, it could have given them a leg up in the race to the moon. 
And the Apollo missions were hardly the first government program to be shrouded in secrecy. Take, for example, the Manhattan Project, which had developed the atomic bomb during World War II. An estimated 139,000 people worked on the project, and not a single detail leaked until it was declassified after the war. Well, that's not entirely true. Several spies made their way into the Manhattan Project and sent information back to the Soviet Union, which helped the Soviets develop their own atomic bombs. But years after the Apollo missions, the Soviets never accomplished their own moon landing. This may be a case of the U.S. government learning from their mistakes. It's possible there were no Soviet spies in the Apollo program at all. Or if there were, information was tightly controlled enough to prevent leaks. It's also possible that NASA was swarming with spies, but there was no useful information to report because the U.S. was no closer to accomplishing a moon landing than the Soviets were. The issue there is that NASA produced extensive documentation of the moon landing. They took pictures, made films, and even broadcast live from the moon's surface. The evidence of the moon landing is overwhelming. But the evidence is also full of inconsistencies. Conspiracy theorists posit that the footage from the moon's surface was actually recorded on a soundstage produced and directed by Stanley Kubrick. While the production was broadcast live to the world, the astronauts aboard the Apollo 11 spent eight days in lower Earth orbit, nowhere near reaching the moon. In 1968, Stanley Kubrick released his film, 2001, A Space Odyssey, which used groundbreaking special effects to depict space travel and featured scenes that took place on the moon. Kubrick established a relationship with NASA by hiring high-level engineers to consult on the film. It follows that when NASA needed a filmmaker to stage their moon landing in 1969, they turned back to the expert who'd produced a film full of space travel just the year before. But the moon scenes in Kubrick's film don't resemble the actual moon landings. The dust behaves differently than in the actual footage, and the fictional astronauts move differently than they do in the moon's real gravity. The Kubrick theory has been discussed online since at least 1995. It gained traction in 2002 with the French mockumentary Dark Side of the Moon. The film purports to tell the story of Kubrick's moon landing production, featuring interviews with CIA operatives and Kubrick's former assistants. Many conspiracy theorists apparently mistook the satirical film for an actual documentary. The theory gained new life thanks to the 2012 documentary, Room 237, which showcased several different interpretations of the popular Kubrick horror film, The Shining. One of those interpretations was that the film was Kubrick's veiled confession to the moon landing hoax. The conspiracy theorist in the documentary claims that Jack Nicholson's character's descent into madness was supposed to represent Kubrick's own guilt after faking the moon landing. They also point to a sweater that Danny, the child in the film, wears in a few scenes, featuring an embroidered rocket. As a work of film analysis, it's fascinating, but as actual evidence of a conspiracy, it's pretty thin. A few conspiracy theorists claim that the rumors started when Kubrick's wife confessed to the moon landing hoax back in the 70s. But that confession has never been verified. It's most likely nothing more than another rumor. In 2015, a video surfaced online that purported to show Kubrick himself confessing to the moon landing hoax just before his passing in 1999. 
But this was also proven to be a hoax. A prankster spliced together real footage of Kubrick talking with a fake voiceover from an impersonator. So there's not much evidence for Kubrick's involvement. But it's still possible that he or someone else staged the famous footage of the moon landing. It would have been difficult to stage a hoax of that magnitude on live broadcast with a half a billion people tuned in. If anything went wrong, it would have been pretty obvious to anyone watching. But the video could have been pre-recorded. Remember, as per the official story, the video was broadcast from a TV camera pointing at a monitor, supposedly because the camera aboard the Apollo rocket was too old to be compatible with broadcast technology. The video on that monitor could have been live, or it could have been pre-recorded. TV networks wouldn't have known the difference. The quality of the live broadcast itself has also raised questions. Wherever and whenever it was recorded, the grainy footage of Neil Armstrong stepping off the lunar module was made using 30-year-old technology. NASA chose this outdated technology because the low bandwidth it used required less energy to broadcast back to Earth. But conspiracy theorists argue that they chose the jerry-rigged system and low-quality output to hide the fact that they were playing pre-recorded footage made with less than perfect special effects technology. But even with the grainy, lo-fi footage, there are discrepancies in the video that raise some questions. A 2001 documentary called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon lays out most of the evidence against the official moon landing footage. The director, Bart Sabrell, is one of the most outspoken anti-moon landing conspiracy theorists. He gained notoriety in 2002 by confronting Apollo astronaut Buzz Aldrin and asking him to swear on the Bible that he's telling the truth about the moon landings. You're the one who said you walked on the moon when you didn't. Calling the kettle black if I ever thought of it. Saying Will I misrepresented myself. Get away from me. You're a coward and a liar and a thief. Aldrin punched him in the face. No charges were filed against Aldrin after it was decided that he had been provoked. Sabrell claims that he requested material from NASA for his documentary and received an hour of unedited footage that was never supposed to be seen by the public. NASA disputes that the footage was ever meant to be secret. They point out that the footage is widely available to anyone willing to ask for it, like Sabrell. Either way, these outtakes from the official NASA footage feature the three astronauts on the Apollo 11, creating the famous shots of the Earth floating in space through the spacecraft window. In another clip, you can hear the astronauts discussing blocking out the light from the other windows, which was causing a glare in the shot. Sabrell argues that what we saw in the footage wasn't actually the Earth floating in space. He claims that what appears to be the entire planet floating in the darkness of space is actually just a bit of Earth's surface as seen from the spaceship's circular window, illuminated against the spaceship's dark walls. Some of the footage is compelling. In one shot, a shadowy figure passes between the camera and temporarily blocks out the edges of the supposed Earth, as if an astronaut's arm has floated into the shot. This wouldn't be possible if the camera were really pressed up against the window, as NASA claims. Unless whoever was holding the camera accidentally fumbled or put their finger over the lens. But furthermore, there are no distinguishing geographical features such as oceans or continents one would expect if one were indeed looking at the entire Earth. 
Although perhaps the cameras designed for use on Earth weren't perfectly suited for capturing detail in space, the continents and oceans could have been indistinguishable simply because of technical limitations. NASA has also responded that if the Apollo 11 were truly orbiting the Earth, as Sabrell insists, the spacecraft would have been completing an orbit every 92 minutes. If this were the case, the Earth in the footage would be rotating much faster. Explain this. When NASA broadcast this footage to the public, they claimed it was being broadcast live. But in Sabrell's footage, you can clearly hear the controllers in Houston and the Apollo 11 astronauts discussing the need to record the audio for playback. According to NASA, the astronauts were rehearsing for the upcoming live telecast. Remember, these are the outtakes, not the live footage. Mm, okay, fair enough. But it's not just the film and the live broadcast that have raised questions about the Apollo missions. Conspiracy theorists have also noticed inconsistencies in the still photographs taken on the moon's surface. One photograph features a rock that appears to have the letter C written on it. Skeptics argue that the letter proves the rock was only a prop. NASA claimed that the letter was created by an error in the film development process. It was airbrushed out of the photo in future releases. Theorists have also noted that in several photographs, shadows don't run parallel to each other. In one photograph, the shadow of an astronaut and the shadow of a nearby rock appear to take converging angles, which suggests there were multiple sources of light. This shouldn't be possible since the sun is the only source of light on the moon. According to NASA, this illusion was created by the distortion of the wide-angle lens used on the camera. Several other discrepancies with the shadows can be explained by the uneven surface of the moon. NASA also points out that while they don't quite run parallel, the shadows all converge at the same vanishing point on the horizon. And if there were indeed multiple sources of light, there would be multiple shadows. Another issue, there are no stars visible in any of the photographs. Because the moon doesn't have an atmosphere, the stars should have been brilliantly visible. Conspiracy theorists claim that NASA blacked out the background of the shots because it would have been impossible for them to recreate an accurate starscape as seen from the moon. Neil Armstrong himself made a note of this in his first press conference immediately after the mission. None of the astronauts remembered seeing the stars, perhaps because the moon's white surface was too bright for the stars to be visible to the naked eye or to ordinary cameras. Conspiracy theorists also note that in photographs of the lunar lander from all six Apollo missions, there is no crater under the lunar capsule. According to Armstrong, the surface of the moon was a finely grained powder, soft enough to create a perfect print of his boot, which was documented in several photographs. Evidently, though, the powder was not soft enough to show any impact from the module's landing. NASA scientists point out that the rockets use most of their thrust to slow the Eagle down from the speeds of lunar orbit. By the time they reach the moon's surface, the retro rockets require significantly less thrust. Additionally, it's Earth's atmosphere that channels a rocket's energy directly down. On the moon, the energy disperses outward. Both of these facts explain why there isn't enough thrust to form a crater under the lander. One of the most well-known discrepancies in the footage is the shot of the flag waving as the astronauts plant it into the moon's surface. Because there is no wind on the moon, 
How can the flag be waving? Well, it wasn't. The flagpole that held the American flag was shaped like an upside-down L with an arm that held the flag outward. NASA points out that the flag's movement resembles the natural pendulum motion one would expect from a free-hanging object moving in a vacuum. Once the kinetic energy caused by the astronaut planting the flag was expended, the flag remained perfectly still. NASA has an answer for every question about the Apollo footage, don't they? But there's still one question they can't answer. Where are the original tapes? In 2006, it was discovered that the original tapes from the live broadcast of the moon landing were missing from NASA's archives. An international search effort was undertaken, but after three years, they were still nowhere to be found. Ultimately, NASA decided that they had likely reused the tapes and recorded over them. Conspiracy theorists find this claim dubious. The moon landing was one of the most significant historical moments of the 20th century. The tapes wouldn't have been recorded over on accident. NASA must have erased them because they had something to hide. As to what exactly that is, they haven't given us a clear answer. Theorists have spent decades attempting to debunk the media produced on the Apollo 11 mission, and science has been able to find an explanation for every so-called discrepancy they point out. Whatever was on those original tapes may have been the evidence that proved, once and for all, that the moon landing was staged. Unless those tapes ever resurface, we'll have to stick with what we have now. And from what we have, there's no indisputable evidence that any of the film or photos from the Apollo missions were staged. But there's also no indisputable evidence that they weren't staged. The simplest explanation is usually the correct one. But is the official story that astronauts walked on the moon really the simplest explanation? Coming up, we'll look into the evidence of whether a moon landing was even possible. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, back to the story. For 50 years, skeptics have questioned whether NASA had the capability to pull off a mission like the Apollo 11 moon landing. The Apollo missions took place in a time when computing power was primitive. Computers weren't commercially available, and the computers that did exist often filled entire rooms. The onboard computer of Apollo 11 contained 32 kilobytes, less computing power than a modern pocket calculator. This primitive machine supposedly guided the lunar module through a 238,000-mile journey to the moon, an incredibly complex landing and a takeoff and return journey to Earth. It does sound implausible, but not impossible. The technological steps leading up to the moon landing were definitely there. The Soviets' unmanned Luna 2 spacecraft landed on the moon's surface a full 10 years before the Apollo 11. Well, that's the catch. The Soviets made it there, not the U.S. It would have been one thing if the Soviets put a man on the moon in 1969. We've already covered how many milestones the Soviet space program reached while the Americans struggled to get off the ground. 
At the same time, in both the Korean and Vietnam Wars, American jet fighters were consistently outperformed by Soviet aircraft. The Soviet-developed MiG-15 was so feared in Korea that soon after its introduction, the U.S. Air Force ended all daytime bombing missions. So just how were American engineers able to accomplish what Soviet engineers never could when it came to landing on the moon? The Soviets were never able to replicate the Saturn V, the rocket used by the Apollo missions. The Soviets' closest attempt was the N-1 rocket, but its first test launch failed just two weeks before Apollo 11 made its historic journey. They tested the N-1 three more times, but it failed every time. In one instance, a failed launch created one of the largest non-nuclear explosions in human history. If the Saturn V was truly able to make it to the moon, why could the Soviets never replicate its success? Ultimately, the United States was able to prevail over the Soviet Union in the space race the same way they were able to prevail in the rest of the Cold War. They simply had more resources. At the height of the space race in the mid-60s, NASA's budget comprised over 4% of all government spending, the equivalent of over $43 billion a year in today's money. The CIA estimated that around the same time, the Soviet Union was only spending around $4 billion on their space program, worth about $32 billion today. That's a big difference. But big enough to account for their failure? I'm not sure about that. Let's take a look at the next piece of evidence. Conspiracy theorists state that a manned moon mission was impossible because humans would have been unable to survive the dangerous radiation in deep space. Thousands of miles above the Earth, the planet is surrounded by radioactive particles called the Van Allen radiation belts. Soviet scientists surmised that a space capsule would need a thick lead protective shield in order to pass through the radiation fields without endangering the astronauts inside. The problem, of course, was that a thick lead casing would have made the capsule too heavy to fly. So how did NASA get around this problem? Well, they didn't. The outer casing of the Apollo capsule was just a 1 inch sheet of aluminum. NASA scientists were aware of the Van Allen belts, but they dismissed the notion that they were dangerous. Their scientists estimated that the amount of radiation the astronauts would be exposed to during the hours they passed through the belts was the equivalent of a CT scan to the chest. Conspiracy theorists disagree with NASA on that matter. They take the position of the Soviet scientists that the Van Allen belts were too dangerous to pass through without killing the astronauts inside. NASA might refute this position by pointing out that the 24 astronauts who were sent on the Apollo missions all made it back safe and sound. Or perhaps they never left the Earth's orbit and passed through the Van Allen belts in the first place. For what it's worth, no astronauts have ever passed through the Van Allen belts after the Apollo missions were finished. The only other mission that even came close was in 1998, when a shuttle traveled 350 miles above the Earth to service the Hubble telescope. So if it's so safe to travel through these radioactive fields, why have no subsequent missions ever done it again? Why has no other country tried to do it? That's a question to take up with NASA. Perhaps there are other difficulties with sending humans out of the Earth's orbit that have to be taken into account. 
Or perhaps it's because manned space missions are no longer a top priority. Or maybe, just maybe, it's because we already did it with the Apollo missions and there's not sufficient value in doing it again. To sum things up, we've established that the United States was willing to do whatever it took to defeat the Soviet Union during the Cold War, even if it meant lying to American citizens. They definitely had the motive to beat the Soviets to the moon, but that doesn't mean they lied about doing it. We've gone over the pictures and film NASA produced as evidence of the moon landing, some of which doesn't quite add up. Actually, it does add up if you believe what the scientists say. Fair enough. And finally, we've questioned whether or not it was even possible to journey to the moon due to the technological limitations of the time and the dangerous radiation fields that surround the Earth. Ultimately, it comes down to who you believe, the scientists at NASA or conspiracy theorists with no scientific training. That's not to say all moon landing conspiracy theorists have no qualifications. In 1974, just two years after Apollo 17 made the final manned journey to the moon, a man named Bill Casing published the book, We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 Billion Swindle. Casing worked at Rocketdyne, one of the major contractors that built the rockets for the Apollo program. Casing worked at Rocketdyne, but as a technical writer, and Rocketdyne did build rockets for the Apollo program, but that began after Casing left the company in 1963. The skepticism continues to this day. In 1999, a Gallup poll determined that 6% of Americans believed the moon missions were faked. But after Fox broadcast the documentary, Did We Go to the Moon in 2001, that number swelled to 20%. Do you know what percentage of trained aerospace researchers deny the moon landing? Zero. Public opinion is hardly the best way to measure scientific truths. The advent of the internet has exacerbated the problem. While information on the moon landings is widely available, both in independent publications and on NASA's own website, so too are countless conspiracy theories and unverified claims. NASA seemed to anticipate the skepticism because the crew of Apollo 11 left a mirror on the moon. They called it the Lunar Laser Ranging Retroreflector Array. It can be used to measure the distance from the Earth to the moon at any time. And while a conspiracy theorist may argue that these mirrors could have been planted by an unmanned probe, the Apollo astronauts have placed three of them on the moon at the precise landing sites for Apollo 11, Apollo 14, and Apollo 15. Scientists still use these laser reflectors to measure distance to the moon today. The slight fluctuations in those distances give them valuable information into the moon's geological makeup and gravitational pull. You could see the experiments for yourself if you visited the Apache Point Observatory in New Mexico. It seems like an incredibly complicated ruse to keep up if the moon landings never happened, doesn't it? Maybe so. I have to admit, all in all, the evidence that the moon landing happened is pretty overwhelming. Photos, videos, records, personal accounts, and even three giant mirrors on the moon's surface. I give this conspiracy theory a three out of 10. Skepticism of the moon landing is understandable. It was accomplished long before so many of the technological advances we have today, and it seems like an accomplishment that's almost too great to be true. 
But while the technological limitations were great, saying they were impossible to overcome dismisses the brilliance and ingenuity of the scientists who worked on the project. That's true. The moon landings stand as a testament to what humans can accomplish when they stretch the bounds of possibility. Now that the Cold War is long over, it could be time to let the controversy rest and accept the Apollo missions for what they were, a great achievement for humanity. In the words of the stainless steel plaques left on the moon and signed by all three crew members of Apollo 11 and President Nixon, we came in peace for all mankind. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Conspiracy Theories, as well as all of ParCast's other podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast directory. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Conspiracy Theories is written by John Hume and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. <laughs>